We are continuing in our prototype series this morning. Um, we're on number five. We only got one more to go, I think. I think, unless the Lord changed my mind. Um, I've been trying to listen to the Lord all morning and just say exactly what he want me to say. And um, uh, I, I've got a, a little confession to make. Um, we, we might all go on an adventure this morning because I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Like, I think I know, but I just feel like God has something else. Like, he's been stirring me all the way since I got in here. So, we'll see. Um, amen? Um, God has a purpose. That's the title of this sermon this morning. But the other thing is, sometimes we feel like we have our own purpose, right? I mean, we... we and. And one of the biggest questions that you'll hear people ask is like, well, you know, what's God's will for my life? What's, uh, what, what am I supposed to do? What, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we ask ourselves these questions because we, we just want these big, deep answers, and, and we hope we kind of get this uh, easy, like instructional, well, this is it, and you go do this, and boom, you've got it. Well, that was easy, Amen what we hope for sometimes but the thing is most of the time what we want doesn't always align with what God wants I mean it, it just doesn't because well I mean his thinking's higher than our thinking it's better than our thinking it's I mean what God defines as truth is often what we we would look at our, especially in our society and our culture, we look at it and we say, I don't know about that, God. Have you not watched, you know, have you not seen what's popular here lately? Have you not seen, you know, all, all the things that have been going on? Or, or man, we, we've been changing some ideas. That, that's old, antiquated, you know, thoughts. We don't really think that way anymore, do we? And then God says, hey, listen. I haven't changed. And so the question is, is are you willing to, to listen to what God wants or do you want to listen to what you want? We're going to, be in, we're going to continue in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to, I'm going to preface this just a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to curtail some subject matter for little ears. Um, and, and, okay, uh, just a little bit here, all right? We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. And the scripture will not be on the screen, so I hope you have your Bibles, have your phones, whatever you might have, please open them up. And if you can, will and able, would you stand for the reading of the word? And I'd, I'd ask that you just follow along because... I can tell you, I never, ever want to tell you something that's not in here. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to start verse 1, read through verse 8. Everybody there, say amen. Finally, then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus as you have received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus 
For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that in no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the, uh, because the Lord is the avenger in all of these things, just as we also told you before the solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. God, I say this and over and over, and I cannot say it enough. Lord, thank you that your word still is alive and active. God, thank you that your word still speaks. And Lord, I pray, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, that your word would go forth and do what it should do. And just, Lord, it should enter our ears, pierce our hearts. Lord, it should put a reflection in front of us and, and remind us, Lord, of, that we're not always like you, that, God, we need to change something. Lord, we need to submit to you. We need to give ourselves over to you more deep, maybe a little bit deeper than what we had before. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would, God, give me the words. If you would empty me out, fill me up with your spirit and the words that you would have me say. Shut my mouth when it needs to be shut. Open it when it needs to be opened. Let the hearer hear. Let the seeds be planted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we see right off in, in, in verse 1, I mean, God has a purpose for you, right? It's, God has, and I, I, it shows God's will for your life. He begins talking about this. But we see Paul, it, he begins to sort of plead. He begins to request. He says, finally then, brethren, we request, we exhort. That's like, I'm pleading with you. I'm asking, I'm asking you in the Lord Jesus that you received from us instruction. Now, I've talked to you all a little bit about not reading instructions, and typically you do it wrong when you don't read the instructions, at least I do. Um, but he's saying, hey, listen, you have received the instructions. You've got them. So you really don't have a good excuse at this point. I want to make this clear, like, hey, you've got the instructions, you've received them, and, and, and then he says, Please, and he says, take it as you ought to walk and please God. Now, I want you to get this, too. He says, just as you actually do walk. So first of all, he's not telling you that you're not doing a good job. You've got to understand, at this point, when he's writing to the first Thessalonians, like, they were, they were living in a society that, that dealt with a... Uh, a, a lot of debauchery and all these things, and they were having a hard time doing what God had called us to do. And one of the things that God's will for your life is to live a holy life. I want to say that again. God's will for your life is to be holy. And if we don't believe that, then we don't 
have a good picture of who God is. It's just that simple. But he says, I want you to walk, and then just, ex- I want you to walk like you've already been walking, but wait a minute, I, I, I don't want you to think that you've got it all figured out just yet. He says, just like in chapter 3, when he says, I want you to love and abound in love, he wants you, I want you to continue to walk in this, and then walk some more. I want you to excel some more in this. Because a lot of times, we sort of find ourselves content and our walk in the Christ, and when, when we get content, we'll be walking along and we'll find ourselves like, oh, kind of comfortable here. And we won't go no farther. If you know anything about water, you let water sit long enough, what's it do? Become stagnant. And then it becomes smelly. Nasty. Nothing wants to live in it. When I was a kid, we used to, before four-wheelers were ever a thing, we, we used to take Jeeps and Broncos up in the mountains all the time. And I'll, I, I remember we'd come up on these mud holes. And, I mean, come on, you all know what's coming next. Somebody. Somebody in the group's like, I believe I can go through it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's not that deep. It's usually the guy that I was riding with, it seemed like. And we'd go through this mud hole plowing through it, and it smelled so bad. I mean, it was just terrible, you know, because it had just been sitting there for, you know, however long it had been sitting there. It had become stagnant. And, and that's what happens in our lives when we quit walking, when we become comfortable, we become content. And, and, but he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to walk. It's not that you're doing bad, but you can't just stop. The, the Christian walk is a daily thing. It's, it's something that we, we must continue in our doing. We've, we, we not, we're not called to, to get to this place where we are in what some people call positional sanctification. Positional sanctification is, is what we as Wesleyans would call initial sanctification. It's when we receive Christ and all of our sins are wiped clean. We receive Christ, we repent, all of our sins are wiped clean, and then we are, we are in a position of being sanctified. We are righteous before God because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of what we did, but because of what he did. And we are positionally sanctified because now we are righteous before God. But that is not the end goal. Because you still have breath in your lungs. And if you sit in just that one spot and you don't ever move from that and you don't ever grow from that, you don't ever continue walking in that, you don't continue to learn from that, you don't continue to go farther than what God has wanted you to go, you will get stuck there and suddenly you, you will become stagnant and you will become just as smelly as you were before you ever found me. Verse 2, he says, for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Again, I'm tying this in to what we've been talking about all week or or last few weeks. If you haven't been here for for all of of this uh, series, week two, I believe, we we talked about um, it it was uh, received and that might have been week one. I can't remember. I'm sorry. 
But it's this ideal of how we receive God's word. We have to realize that it has authority over our lives. If you don't give God's word authority over your life, if you read it as an afterthought, suddenly you'll find yourself compromising what he says. I can compromise with my wife, 100%. My wife loves me. God loves me. Sometimes I can't compromise, I don't know. Most of the time. But when God says something, 100%, you can, you can go to God and, and, and like there's, there's, you see, like if you, if you read in this, there are times where, where they came and they pled to God, like, hey, don't destroy these people, give us a chance. You know, you can plead to God, but, but when God gives a commandment, when God has a commandment for your life and, and, and he tells you he wants you to live a certain way, there really is no compromising that. And, and that's what he's saying. He says, he says, listen, for you know what commandments, you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of, of the Lord Jesus. And he's simply repeating verse 1. He's sort of affirming what he's already said in verse 1, but he's repeating it another way, and he says, for you know the commandments we gave you in the Lord Jesus. And then we get to verse 3. Purpose. What's my purpose? What's, what's, uh, what's God's purpose? What's, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live now that I'm a Christian? And Paul begins to tie something very important in our life. And one of the most important things about what we claim is very distinct in our tribe, sanctification, to a very, what would be a controversial subject especially nowadays. Verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. First of all, what's God's will for your life? Your purpose is, your purpose, what's his purpose? He says, your sanctification that you be set apart. Sanctification is a very simple word. It's that you be set apart for divine use. Now, I can tell you right now, in this world, the way that, the, the, that they tell you the truth is, there's a whole lot of things that they would, they would point out to you and say, all of these things are okay. Listen, if you, want to, if you, want to, you want to go live with somebody, that's fine. You want to do this outside the marriage, but that's fine. You want to watch this and entertain yourself with this, that's fine. That's okay. You want to do this before marriage, oh, that's okay too. You see, that's the kind of world they were living in, but I'll be honest with you, if you really research it, if you really research it America's probably about... I don't know, we're probably about 75% there of where they were at right then. It was a little worse back in those times, like the, the, the debauchery, the things that it was a little bit worse, actually, amazingly enough. 
And, and, but we are on this trajectory, and, and God says, no, I want you to stand out for divine use and not submit to the world's ideal of what truth is. And if you're not willing to submit to what God's will for your life is, how can you ever expect God to lead you? If you're not willing to submit to God's truth in this, he says, it's, I mean, if you read this verse, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. Why sexual immorality? Why was it such a big deal? See, see, sexual immorality, it's one of those things, it's one of those sins that it's not just like it's, a, it's an outside influence. It's something on the inside of us that, that we, all, we all have some type of desires that are built within us. And God says, no, there is a specific design for what you're feeling. And if we go outside of that design, we'll start missing something very important that God has for all of us. Again, sanctification. He's not in talking about entire sanctification yet at this point. That's a, that's, that's a little further down. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 be entirely and wholly sanctified. He said, this is for your sanctification, for you to be set apart for divine use. If you're a Christian today, you are, you are under this point of positional sanctification. And then as, you, as we are working towards entire sanctification, it's, some, would, some would call it progressive sanctification. Consecration is a typical thing we, we, are try, we are seeking towards. Consecration is submitting yourself completely to God. Being entirely sanctified is not something you can do on your own, by the way. Get that, get that in your mind. Entire sanctification is not something you can do on your own. You cannot entirely sanctify yourself. You can submit yourself to God, but entire sanctification is something God does for you. If we could entirely sanctify ourselves, we wouldn't need God anyway. I've read a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstandings on this. Some people think that even our tribe, that we think that we can, that the whole point of entire sanctification is so that we, we'll, we'll never, well, we can come to a point that we'll never sin again. No, no, entire sanctification is removing the sin nature. It's not that us being able to sin again is impossible.
Verse 4 says, let me read verse 3 and 4 together. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Go and read verse 5. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Let me, let me break down verse 4 for you a little bit, okay? Now, there, there, there's like two views on verse 4 here. And it says that, and I, I know I'm doing a little bit of teaching here too, so I hope you guys are good with that today. But verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification with honor. There, there's two views on that. One, it's that you either know how to possess yourself, and, and that really that word possession, it's a Greek word that really just means to be able to control your own self. But there's a thing about being able to control your own self. It has this connotation behind it. If you really start researching the, the, the Greek words that, that are used to put that sentence together, it's not just being able to control your own self or control. The other, the other thought behind it is that you would, you would obtain a, a, a spouse for controlling, but it's not controlling. It's more like don't neglect, that you wouldn't neglect one another. How do you abstain from these things? You don't neglect one another. You don't neglect yourself. You don't neglect one another. It's important that you do that. It's important that you take time to not neglect your own mind. Because, listen, if you let, your, if you let yourself get lost in your own thoughts, you'll find yourself in a very dark place if you're not careful. And that don't just go for sexual immorality either, by the way. But I can tell you right now, those that have found themselves lost in sexual immorality and debauchery, it doesn't take long for their mind to go to some really dark places too. Honor, to have this vessel in sanctification and honor and not in this lustful passion. See, he's saying, listen, if you're doing this and you're just like you were before, you're not even a real believer. You don't have a good view of who God is, what God wants for you. Verse 6 says that no man transgress and defraud his brother in a matter because the Lord is the avenger in all things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. Can I tell you something real quick? When you fall into sexual immorality, another reason why sexual immorality is so important, did you know that sins like that, actually any sin, period, but did you know a sin like that, you're not the only person that's hurt from it. You're really not. Sometimes we, we rationalize things in our minds and our brains and, we, and, our, and even in our own hearts, and we begin to think, well, well listen, it was, a, 
It was a victimless crime. It, it, no, no one got hurt. It was just one little thing, right? But the, the reality is every single choice you make, every action that you take, every single thing, you're not the only victim. You're not. There's always this ripple, this after effect of things that happen. And, and it's not that, that God's trying to, trying to condemn you or make you feel shameful about it. But, the rea- but, but if you start to do as we've talked about and you start to put yourself in, in, you, in front of who God is and you sort of look at yourself in this reflection of who God is and you start comparing yourself, do I reflect, does my reflection look like God? Does it look like who God says he is, who he wants me to be? Because if it doesn't, then something needs to change. And and that change really only comes from submitting to him and letting him have it. Because verse 8 says, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The will of God is for you to be sanctified. And we cannot reject that theology. We reject that. We are rejecting God. And I don't know about you, but one day I'm going to stand before God. Actually, I do know that you will stand before God. I don't know about you, but I don't want him to look at me and be like, hey, you rejected what I wanted for you. You didn't believe what I said. I wanted for your life. And you missed out. And because you missed out, let me show you the the thousands, possibly millions of people that missed out because you rejected that. And I think Paul starts tying sexual immorality into this for for one simple reason, because sometimes it's easy to, to, to keep ourselves away out of all the... We can, we can remove ourselves from all the outside temptations. That's easy. Just stay inside, read a book. Become a hermit. Don't talk to nobody. But this sexual immorality is something inside of us. There's desires, there's lustful passions, and there's things inside of us. And the world that we live in today is telling us all kinds of lies about who we can be, how we can be, where we can be at, and then all these different things, and we begin to just go right along with it. But God says, no, we're not to, be, we're not to conform to this world.
I don't have a problem standing up and standing out for God, and I hope you don't either. tie this into this series. It's a church. It's this prototype church. You've got to be willing to stand up for what God says is right too. And I mean all of it. We love and we give grace. We approach all things in love. But there's a truthful way to go. And God tells us what it is. Finally, then, brethren, we request, we plead with you that you've received these instructions as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you're already walking. Would you excel some more? Would you excel more? Can you say that today? I'll excel some more. I'll evaluate myself. I'll evaluate my life inside and out. I'm telling you, if you can't block out those things, you'll find yourself submitting and compromising with everything else too. Now pray with me. God, thank you, Lord, that you, you've given us instruction. But God, thank you for your commandments. Lord, thank you that you're, you've made your will known for our lives. You've made your will known for this church. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would submit to your will. God, that we would submit to whatever it is you would want us to do. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, as we, as we submit, Lord, that God, I pray that we'd recognize the way that you bless it and bless us for just doing the simple thing of just saying, God, you are God and I am not. You are Lord and I will let you lead, and I will follow. 
Father, I pray as we leave from here, Lord, we would all recognize our deep need. God, to submit our life fully to you. Lord, that we would pursue sanctification, God. We would pursue ourselves to be and, to, and just be so willing to set ourselves apart for your divine use. But God, I recognize too that, Lord, we don't ever get the fullness of that, Lord. We don't get the fullness of that, God, until, God, we have fully submitted ourselves to you, Lord, in all things. All things inside and out too. Lord, bless these people. Lead and guide us. We love you. We praise you. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said. Amen.